Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. from the first of a three-part series of The Compassionate Conservative, and it featured Jeremy Evans. I wanted to let you know that you can find Jeremy Evans' new book, A Ragamuffin Saint, The Messy Journey of a Dusty Disciple, available on Amazon for Kindle right now. It came out right around the time I was editing, and I missed that. And so I just wanted to let you all know, if you're interested in what the Dusty Disciple has to say, he takes an in-depth look at what it means to walk with God, what it means when we find courage to look at our lives from God's point of view, and when we start to see ourselves as his beloved. So... I encourage you all to hop on Amazon and get that download as soon as you can so you can learn more about The Ragmuffin Saint and Jeremy Evans. My guest today is David Cubbage. He is a natural gas welding inspector for pipelines, a lover of everyone, and a Christian. Today we talk about climate change. We go over the movie Come Sunday. We talk about the movie The Shack. He brings up a few verses that he tries to live by. We talk about how we need to develop and mature with social media in discourse. And some of his views are unexpected for his position as a conservative and Republican. I want to remind you again why it's important that we peel away the labels that we attach to people simply based on the way that we vote. We are more than just our politics, as David will say later on in this conversation. And that's really important. We need to be in a position where we are shaping our politics and not allowing our politics to shape us. This is really important that it allows us to see our neighbor as someone worthy of loving and to not deem them the enemy. Something that David said in the conversation really stuck out to me, which is why it became the title of this show. And he said, I'm open to learn. I want to know. In order for me to learn where you're coming from, for us to be able to continue to have this conversation right here, I have to check at the door my offense. And not a lot of people can do that. David Cubbage can be found on Facebook and he encourages you to find him, ask him questions, friend him. He's always willing to learn from new perspectives. And if that's what you're after, track him down. David Cubbage, C-U-B-B-E-D-G-E. So listeners, not only am I going to ask you to check your offenses at the door, I ask you to compassionately consider the perspective of David Cubbage. Enjoy the episode. that has beliefs and opinions and is very open um, for that metanoia, for that change thinking, um, because that in my past, um, things that I've held on to, um, some, sometimes you unwrap something new and you start to learn from that. And, and then there's this, there's this inner healing that uh, actually gets exposed and leaks out and becomes an embrace of everything else around you that you otherwise would not have supported in the past. So 
there's a lot of healing still going on within my life, a different change of direction with my beliefs of God and my political beliefs as well. And uh, so I like to share those for anybody who does follow me on Facebook or has, has followed along or paid attention. You know, there, there's videos that I've put out that it feels like a lot of, of Christians and believers in God have a hard time with associating themselves with people that also support President Trump. Yeah. I have, have your political beliefs changed. Have you not always been a Republican or conservative? How, how have those changed? So I grew up in California and I'm not necessarily for sure. It's, it's, it's cause kind of product of your environment. My family wasn't very political. We didn't talk about things with politics other than my grandfather would speak things every once in a while during mm-hmm. Thanksgiving dinner. Um, so I wasn't growing up under uh, Ronald Reagan's presidency. I wasn't uh, very uh, educated as far as what was going on with the country or anything other than history class, and I didn't pay attention too much. So after high school, I joined the military, and I served in the military for 10 years. About halfway through that, through a lot of conversations with people, I was starting to see the real world mm-hmm. and see what it was like to to actually uh, have to fight for yourself and to, to earn your way and to see what it's like to have, let me give you, let me give you an example. I remember being in a Humvee and my flight sergeant, um, asked me a question and they called me a tree, tree hugger, uh, because I was pretty liberal at the time. And they asked me a question about if I saw a bum on the side of the road when I had hand the money and I said, absolutely. Wouldn't you? And I had this heart of just loving everybody, no matter what mm-hmm. I still have that. And I think that that is a very liberal and socialistic thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. So as far as just love for everybody, here, here's the thing. I had to learn that you can still love every single person, but have something less than an expectation, but, but have that, Hey, I, I'm not. I'm not going to ask you or force you or require you to do the same things that I've done. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to motivate you and show you what I've done in order to be able to be successful within the freedoms that we have in our country. Mm. So, looking at that bum, I would say now, if somebody was to ask me the question now, I would be the exact opposite of my answer then, because I've asked the question now: How is there a single person in this country? that is starving. How is that possible? Mm. Because we have the opportunity for food stamps. We have the opportunity for welfare paid for from our tax dollars when we work. I don't have any problem with what they do with our tax dollars as long as it's not evil. And we can get into that later on, Planned Parenthood, things like that. Yeah. Because how I've always done it is I never looked at the amount of tax dollars that was taken out from me. I don't earn that. The Mm. government takes that. They have that. They can do what they want with it as long as they're not doing evil with it. Some of the things that they do with our tax dollars, I believe, is evil. But the only time I actually noticed and paid attention to how much taxes were taken out was for the first time in my career. And I've been in the working force for about 21 years now. And the first time in my career, my taxes changed because I was getting less taxes taken out. So I had a pay raise from February 2008 until now. My taxes are a lot less and I'm making a lot more money in my paycheck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one benefit from Donald Trump right there that, that I really appreciate. And, you know, I have to jump in. I have to say that too. I noticed that after Trump's tax cut went into effect last year and this year, my husband didn't have to pay in. We didn't have to pay in in taxes. And 
we weren't used to that because you know every year we brace ourselves like okay how much is the gonna, bill going to be in march right. you know we go in the end of february every year file and we're like okay we got to put this money together in the last two years we've gotten re refunds and i'm like wait are, what huh we did you know it, we don't have to pay and i've shared that with a lot of people especially as a as a position to argue when people are like these tax cuts just help the rich i'm like hi not rich here at all no. If you looked at what we file every year, you would see that. But yeah. they're so insistent that they're doing worse off. And that for me, when I just started paying attention to the economy, I saw a shift. And if you want to go, oh, it's because it's Obama's policies, you want to do that, that's fine. That's a different story. And there are there is data to prove differently, I believe. But that's one thing that I think is kind of crappy that we're refusing to acknowledge is that there is goodness coming about from this president and nobody's calling it good. And I think that is a detriment to us. And I constantly hear in the back of my head, the verse, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. That is the blasphemy of the spirit. You refuse to see goodness. And I don't know how people reject over and over the goodness that does come about from President Trump. It's just like, no, it's Trump, therefore it's bad. We can't agree with it. We have to be opposed to it. We have to hate it. And it's ridiculous because when good things happen, we should say we are thankful for the good things. Right. I mean, de definitely. But see, so, okay. I believe that there are three families in this, in this world. I'm not, I'm trying not to go too deep into like conspiracy and stuff. I just want to talk about things that, that are out there that people definitely know, but there is a, I'll, I'll <coughs> verse to Romans 12 to people talk about it. Do not be conformed by the things of this world, but be transformed with, with the renewal of your mind, which is the direct definition of repentance. If you look at the Greek metanoia, it means to change your thinking. It has nothing to yeah, do with begging for mind. forgiveness, right? Yeah. That's just a little side tangent there from things that I've learned. But if we're, if we're conforming by the things of this world, I can group pastors into this because they're looked at as, as a, an authoritative figure. And real quick on that, there are 42,000 different denominations within Christianity. So not all pastors really line up together. Mm -hmm. So one right here might say something, the one across the street might be saying something completely different. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to get counseling pastor, let's say, let's just say marriage counseling, right? If you're going to get marriage counseling from from a pastor who might be ordained to do that and, and, and trained and, and, and perfectly well suited for that position to do that as a position of authority to be able to help you guys with your marriage. This pastor right here might be saying something completely different than the one across the street. Mm -hmm. So it's just based off of beliefs and perceptions and conformity to the conditioning to their seminary school, their history, what they've been taught and what have you. So then we go to the media and the mainstream media, if you look at CNN, MSNBC, and all that, all these things, there's proof, and I've set these out there a lot of times, but you can look them up on Facebook and stuff like that, where they'll have on a screen like 50 different news media sources on the same night all saying the exact same words. Yeah. The so what they call it, subliminal messaging, right? Yep, they use those buzzwords. Yep, and, and so basically, if, you, if you're being fed this on a nightly basis, if you're paying attention to that, or you're scrolling through your Facebook and you're seeing all these things kind of feeding you information, it's eventually going to start messing with you to where you're getting that conformity and thinking orange mm -hmm. man bat, yeah. you know, and that's what I think is happening from, you know, if I have a lot of liberal family members and friends and I hate using that word liberal because it, it sounds like a label, right? But I don't yeah. know what other word to use. Or left. And I don't want to sound yeah. 
Yeah, we don't. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to put like a negative connotation on the term. So just for people listening, we're just identifying by category. We're not judging. Right. Yeah. And exactly. I love every one of y'all. I want to. I want to. I definitely want to say that because sometimes people feel as though uh, I'm I'm saying otherwise. But I do have a lot of far left leaning uh, family members and friends who have taught me a lot through just having dialogue with them and trying to figure out, okay, where are you coming from? Kind of like this conversation here. You're open to hear somebody else. And why, why do you think the way that you do? Mm-hmm. And I think that it's healthy as long as it can be done in a cordial manner. But I've learned from a lot of these folks because they'll get frustrated, but at the same time you get information, right? Yeah. And when they start repeating the same things that you're seeing the media feed out, you're seeing that conformity. And how do you know what's right and what's wrong? How do you have any idea? And what the, the benefit that I give my loved ones that, that think that way, that think differently than me, is that I believe that they're coming from a place, the same place that I'm coming from. I love everybody in the cosmos. And I want what's best for everybody, not just me. I don't want to be selfish. And I see that more from the far left leaning side is I want what's good for everybody. I want mm-hmm. people to, I don't want there to be borders and separations. I want people all to come in. That's, so that's what they're saying, right? And they're coming from a beautiful place within their heart. I believe that. But at the same time, anytime you say anything about human trafficking actually coming across the border, they'll say, well, that's just fear talk. That's, you know, that's just, you know, that's just you speaking what you've learned from your media source. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just fear. You don't have any proof of it unless you physically see it yourself. But with the whole Christ thing, I'm, I'm on the exact opposite page. So it's kind of different. It's kind of weird for me, right? Because yeah. it is all about love and, and there's a union for everybody and everybody's fully unified, whether they believe in that or not. That's what I think. And so I want to show even the people that are trafficking little kids across the border, kidnapping them from the United States and trafficking them throughout the world. I want to show them that I actually love them too, because that's the only time that they could ever be healed. That's the, only, that's the only effect that would change them is to show them you're still loved regardless of what you're doing. I just really don't want you to do that anymore because it's hurting humanity. And so it's like when we want to bring up other concerns that we have as another reason for why we stand by what we stand by, it seems like we're always at odds, like we can only care about one particular issue at a time. But then I always get the feeling especially from the left, these are the only issues we're supposed to care about. And then you hear the narrative on the right, well, these are the only issues we can care about. And I think, can't we all care about them all? And also, can we not hold it against people if they don't care about the same things as you do? Because we only have so much space in these brains and we can only be concerned for so many things. And it feels like there's so much pressure to be an advocate for everything. And then how do you pick and choose what you're advocating for? And is what you're advocating for opposed to something else that you're advocating? And then you have to go and make sure you're not being a hypocrite and and doing things that are contradictory to one another. But it seems to be the big thing. We can only be for this and that we assume that therefore this side is against it. And the reality is I've noticed too, just in doing these podcasts and just being more intentional about conversations with people I disagree with is going, can we see where we are alike first? And can we focus on that? And can you see I'm a human? I can see that you're a human. And are we willing to at least respect the dignity of our humanity between us first? And then let's, you know, we always have to get back to that. I think that's the most important thing. We're like, look, you're a human. I'm human. 
we're alike right there. We're both human. And I bet we both are doing the best we can with all of the information that we have. And if we can move past that, now we're equal. We see each other as equal. And I thought that's what we were after anyway, is equality. Yeah, I definitely agree. Here's a big thing on this is if I remember here shortly, I'm going to actually call myself out here in a minute, but here's, here's, here's a big thing with, I've always been hypersensitive about the way people talk to one another. Mm-hmm. And I love Facebook and social media as an outlet to learn how to even just talk to somebody, mm-hmm. especially nowadays, because there's so much information that's fed out to everybody that if it, if it makes sense to them, they're going to hold on to that and they're going to believe in it. And especially if it's, if it's on the side of the people that they trust. So if you trust Hillary Clinton, every single thing that she says, you are going to be all for it. Yeah. And I fall into the trap of, I trust Donald Trump now. I took a lot of, lot of time to really study things and look into things. But anything that he says, I'm all for it. I'll say that right this moment right now. Mm-hmm. I, trust, I trust him wholeheartedly. Is that, is that scary? Yeah, I'll admit that. To call myself out here for a moment, climate change. Okay, that's a, that's a big topic yeah, for is. both sides. The right, the far leading right, and the media from the right, they don't talk about that very much. Mm-hmm. They just say, no, no, no. And the, the very, the, the, the important thing to, to realize is you've got lobbyists who I've been a part of and I've seen it that go to these different, different cities and they lobby to get, and they have public hearings to get to, to be allowed to uh, perform projects for their company for oil and gas. And I work in oil and gas. I'm, I'm a natural gas welding inspector on pipelines and compressor stations. Wow. And so I'm in the midst of this and I get to see kind of that part of it. But part of these public hearings, I don't have a whole lot of knowledge with this, but I live in Colorado and they have this, this group called uh, Colorado Strong. And they go out there and they go to these public hearings and, and things like that. And they show people the mitigations and all of the, the resources and all the requirements and regulations that these oil and gas companies are put under in order to do a project. And it's insane. It is, mm-hmm. it costs, it's, it's not cost. I mean, it costs a lot of money and who cares? Mm-hmm. Let's do it right. I don't care how much it costs, right? Let's, let's make sure we're protecting the environment. I'm all about that. But if people were educated to see what was going on with that, they probably might step back and be like, okay, hold on a minute. All these things that we're saying that we need to make sure that they're paying for to check, they're checking it beyond what they're required to. But I still don't, here's, here's where I call myself out. I don't have enough education to flat out say, Mm-mm, climate change ain't happening. Yeah. And I won't, even if it directly affects me and my job and my career, which it would, if they went uh, the Green New Deal completely, I'd be out of a job for sure. And I could go find another career, but my life would change drastically. Mm-hmm. So do I have personal fears about that? Yes. But would I rather protect the environment? If I knew for a fact that the carbon content in the air was getting messed up from the, from the work that we're doing, if I knew that for a fact, there was no way to protect the environment unless they stopped doing that. I'd want it to stop. That's just, that's just point blank. The truth. I don't think that there's a lot of people like that though. I really don't. The funny thing is, is a lot of people don't. And and my husband and I just noticed this. We, he found some kind of data report when we were really getting into trying to understand carbon emissions and carbon sequestration, just with farming and agriculture. And um, there was a map that showed that during like March through May, the largest amount of carbon is emitted right over like the Midwest 
and over most of the agricultural land within the United States, which is a reason why my husband has moved towards no-till for farming because then you're not releasing all of the carbon. And there are very easy steps that we could take to work towards eliminating that big bubble and release once a year that we do, but nobody wants to talk about that. And when we do start, and the thing that's so frustrating for me is when you ask questions about climate change, just so that you can better understand it, because we're not scientists, we don't, you know, you need to be a lawyer in order to read a contract, a business contract nowadays. You also kind of have to be an expert or understand the jargon within science to understand the science that they're trying to convince us to believe. That's right. So there's nothing wrong with people asking questions. And the one thing I love pointing out that I wish people remembered is that's literally what science is about, asking questions. Absolutely. (laughs) And if we can't ask science questions so that we can understand it in our own language, whatever language that is, that doesn't mean we're, we're any less intellectual than these people. But if we can understand it, then that could be something we could be more aware of. But it's like nobody is even interested in making sure people understand it. They're just going, here it is, accept it. I can't just accept things unless I understand things. And that's where we have conflict again everywhere. If you're not letting me ask the questions so that I can translate it in the language I understand because we all speak a different language, then we would be able to get on board and we would be able to put forth actual efforts and practices that would show on both sides of the spectrum that we all do care. But we, we can't show that we all actually, I mean like what the conservatives just burn tires I mean, you know, they're like, yeah, let's just burn tires. We hate the planet. We hate science. Science is someone was like, Mike Pence doesn't believe in science. And I'm like, has he actually told you that? Like, has he actually said that? Can we stop making this assumption that conservatives reject science? Because that's ridiculous. And can we get back to just, look, a question isn't a threat. A question isn't an attack. You're on this side, they're on this side. We have to ask questions so we can keep coming closer together. And I feel like questions are scariest. And I know I'm going to make a generalization and I'm making it based on my own personal experience, but I think Mm -hmm. it stands for something. I feel as if the left, as of the last three, four, five years, you ask them, you ask anyone a question about any position or belief any of anyone on the left has, and they're like, why don't you believe me? This isn't about belief. This is about me understanding. Why can't I ask the question without it offending you? And that was a conversation my husband and I were having last night too. We were like, it's easier to talk to conservatives sometimes because we're like right in the middle. Like we get equal flack and hatred from both sides. And it's so ridiculous, but we do. And so we are kind of like in this little outlier group, like looking at everything. But that's the one observation we've both come to is the right, you guys, the right, they're more willing to talk. And the left, they just want to insult you and block you and done. And that is so frustrating. Yep. And that's a generalization we need to work on. It, it, uh, well, let me say this. I'm, I don't try to be controversial at all. I don't like that. And there's a major reason for that is I, I started speaking when you asked me, you know, to explain who I was and all that by saying, I'm not a position of authority. I don't, I don't speak from a position of authority. I'm not convinced that I'm right ever, Mm. but 
because of that, I'm open to learn. I want to know. And, and in, order, in order for me to learn where you're coming from and for us to be able to even continue to have this conversation right here, I have to check at the door my offense. Does that make sense? Yeah. And not a lot of people can do that yeah. because people get defensive. As soon as you stab anything into make you think or make them think that you disagree with them, they're already offended. Yeah. And as soon as they become offended, they become defensive. And if you don't pay attention and, and, and fall in line with them, then they're out. And there's, it's just, it happens on both sides all the time. From a political standpoint, it happens with me with people that are left-leaning. From a God standpoint, it happens to me with people that grew up exactly the way I did and were taught exactly the same way that I was. I mean, I'm on, I'm on a daily I might have one with you later on in the future. I might have been even in the past. I don't even know. But I, I, I learned from people through, through dialogue and having patience. But I'll lose all of that with that person who might know so much that, that can really help me in my life and help me understand why they believe the way that they do. I'll lose it the moment I get them defensive. Mm-hmm. And I still lost conversations probably – at least once or twice a week. And, and I'm extremely patient, extremely loving as far as I know, but I, you never know how people are going to take things, Yeah, you know? So mm. again, I'm hypersensitive about the way people talk to one another. So I, I try to go into that wearing their shoes and saying, Hey, I wouldn't want to be talked to like this. So just, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like a tactic, but it, it's still just, just try to almost like kitty gloves. Just, just be, be patient with this. Don't force nothing. Just ask some questions, but there's a lot of people that really see themselves with a lot of pride that if you ask one question, it could be a very nice question. How's your day going? They're, they're over you. They're done. Yeah. I've noticed more and more people are like making these disclaimers saying things like, look, I'm just going to throw down what I, I believe. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to answer your questions. I'm not going to talk to you about it. I'm not going to try and convince you. And then I think, well, what's the point of making a statement then? I mean, if you're willing to make a statement, you should be willing to back it up. I, I believe yeah. that because otherwise it's like, why even put it out there? And, and I do try and start controversy and I do it in a way to get people to think. Because honestly, yeah. I really like thinking. It's really fun for me. And yeah. I like thinking and I like conversing. And so you have to put those ideas out there. And I think if I'm willing to post an idea, if I'm willing to talk about an idea or a belief or something that I value, what is wrong with me if I can't back up why? Like, why wouldn't I want to tell people why? If I embody something, I should be able to explain why I embody it and what kind of impact it has had on my experience. And these people that are putting these disclaimers up, I feel like are putting walls up. Like, don't come at me. This is just what I, I said what I said. Okay, that works when I'm telling my kid to do the dishes, but I said what I said right. on Facebook and I have a question about that. I'm not taking your questions. I don't need to make you agree with me. Do you want me to understand you though? Like... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. Let me let me add to this. I'm kind of in the middle of that. Uh, I, I I talk to myself all the time, and I've asked myself, okay, how do you want to handle this? Because I've seen a lot of people that I look at as mentors that are in a position of authority. Not that I put them on a pedestal, but they a lot of people go in and just pay attention to what they're saying and share mm-hmm. their stuff. And, and, and it's big things like they're, they're just life changing thoughts 
yeah. sometimes and they help me grow and people comment. There'll be hundreds of comments under what some, just a little post that they made. And, um, a lot of them are good and a lot of them are actually asking questions. And I've even gone in there and asked questions to follow up and, and dig deeper into this and go down the wormhole. And there's no answer. There's no reply. I know. And I don't get offended by that, but I'm thinking, you know, I've wondered if this person has gone through so much backing up what they've said and it just becomes an argument because I get, I get into that. I'm just like you in the, in a point of, I want to back up everything I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And if I can't, then I want to say, Hey, you know what, man, thank you. I've, I've just learned something here because this is the way I was thinking before we even started this conversation, but this is where I'm at now. And I really want to appreciate you for that. And I've been in a lot of conversations like that. And it's, it's hard. I think just, and if you get into the position, cause again, I don't want to back people or, or put people up against a wall and, and have them get yeah. defensive. So it's like, if they ask a question, I always want to answer it. But if I have an answer and they weren't expecting me to, they're going to get defensive, Yeah. you know? So it's, it's just kind of like, I, I don't, I got to figure out who I'm talking to here. And that's hard to do sometimes. It's very hard to do. It is, especially in this weird era that we have made our reality. Yeah, I remember when social media first came out and it was like, oh, it's just social media. And we would have that like distinction, like that's not real life, that's social media. But it's like, it is embedded into our lives now. I mean, I can't tell you how many times during the day my husband and I will have a conversation specifically because of some interaction on social media. And what I appreciate about it is like ideas are shared. And so then it's me and Corey are like, okay, what do you think about this? Or did you read this? Or what does this make you think about? And so I love that it's creating more discussion for people, but we can't separate it anymore. But that means we need to figure out how to develop it and mature with it. It's like election season, especially. We just all, we just all regress and we forget everything that we've learned and we forget all the work that we've been doing. And we start acting like bitter teenagers and picking sides and kicking people out of cliques and canceling each other. And it's just gross. Cause I'm like, no, like, especially those who are going through transformative processes or renewing of their mind or deconstruction or post-Christian or whatever it is, or leaving evangelicalism, whatever it is. And I think, where did all of us get to this point though, where we were shedding the layers of the crap and then finding justification to hate people and divide lines. Like, where did that come from? If we're peeling everything back, that means we're taking a, everything out of the box and we're taking other people out of the box. But lately it feels like everybody's like, we need to be in a box right now. The box will protect us. And I don't know what's going on. And they're like, why are we regressing and turning into these, I don't even know, just angry mob people. Okay. I'm going to tell you uh, what I think uh, on that. All right. Um, uh, okay, here, here's here's the biggest divide that I think is going on in our society, in our culture, at least in America. I'm going to say this. I think it's Christianity versus not necessarily atheism, but it, it, people that don't believe in, in God. Let me let me explain why I think that. The whole thing is because people who have learned and kind of grew up in church, like I did, have actively decided. I don't want anything to do with that God. Mm. And I've had conversations many times with specific people that have, that I've been able to learn from that specifically tell me why. And the reason why is there's no other way to say it and they might not even admit it. But the reason why is 
Christianity has taken a step in judging other pe- people who don't believe. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to figure out why they've made the decision not to believe, they are so much in fear of what's going to happen to them because of their disbelief mm-hmm. that they can't see past it. They, they, they just they want to force you and get you to believe. A good, a great movie that I would recommend to anybody is on Netflix. It's called Come Sunday. If you watch movies at all, there's mm-hmm. a great movie. It's a true story about a, an evangelist that, uh, matter of fact, a friend of mine on Facebook, Henry Harris, just uh, interviewed him a couple about a month ago, maybe two months ago. Anyhow. Bishop Carlton when you have Pearson, people, right? Oh, go ahead. Carlton yes, Pearson. Yes, it ma'am. Was a, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to jump in. I thought that was an incredible movie, too. I, I, I remember when it came out, and that was when I was coming into understanding what universalism was. And I was coming into kind of that understanding and going, yeah, this is where I'm at too. And anyway, good movie reference. So, and and the reason why I reference, if you think about, I think that, again, going back to even what we're talking about with the politics side, left and right and all that, is people are coming from a position of love, right? So let's just say that I have a brother who does not believe in God, okay? And I love him. I, I love him unconditionally, right? But because his active choice to not believe in God directly, what I've been taught directly affects his eternal future, right? So I had to change my thinking. I'm not saying anybody's wrong that thinks that, but I am saying I had to change my thinking in order for myself to be healed because I always looked at it as I love my brother so much that I've got to do everything I can do in order to get God to love him that much too. Mm. It's, that's an unfortunate way to say that, but that's the way that that's gone. So I had to change my thinking and get my own healing going on to actually be able to listen to him and find out what it is and the reasons for his disbelief. And because of that, because of that patience, because of me being able to learn that, I've been able to figure out, hey, that's a magic man in the sky that I don't ever want anything to do with. Now, that's what he's telling me, right? Which used to offend me, and then we just get in this argument, right? Because... I had this fear that he's going to go to an eternal conscious torment Mm. because he's choosing not to believe. So I'm basing everything that I've got in order to try to get him to become good enough for God. So this is what's happened to me from what I've seen. The far left are from what I've seen. Majority of them are the ones that have actively chosen not to believe in God. I'm not saying all of them are. I'm just saying from what I've seen, the majority of them are like that. And, the reason why they have chosen not to believe in God to begin with is because they felt judged by Christians and they feel as though their identity is something other than what God requires them to be. Mm. That's what I used to believe until I read Second Corinthians 3. And that changed everything for me. So I'll recommend that to anybody that wants to read it, but I will say this. There's a lot of healing in that. There's a lot of change, a lot of things that will change your thinking because pastors don't preach that in church. I promise you that. So all this judgment upon people that don't believe and all that stuff. Look, the thing is, is just, just hold on to your fears for just a little bit. Back them off just a little bit. Continue to love your loved ones and quit being scared. <laughs> and I promise you it's going to heal you. I promise you that. I'm just That's looking, my in my, for today. I'm looking in my Bible right now to re- remind myself of 2 Corinthians 3. I'll give you I'll give you a a, a summary real quick. Second okay. Corinthians three calls the Mosaic Law 
It says laws that were written on letters of stone. There's mm. 613 laws written in the Old Testament, I believe, all by Moses. I could be off on that number a little bit, but it's, it calls it the ministry that brought death, calls it the ministry of condemnation. It says specifically it's been replaced by the ministry of the Spirit, and it also calls it transistory, which means – or transitory, which, which I had to look it up, and it means temporary. Mm. The Mosaic law no longer exists at all. That is an absolute 100% for sure guaranteed fact. In Romans 6, it also says to you, no longer live under law, you live under grace, which is defined as unmerited favor. Mm. So I'm trying not to get too preachy, yes, but um, that's what's happened. We've been taught growing up in church by pastors that have been taught the same thing. So it's not their fault whatsoever. It, their seminary schools teaches them this. Look, go back to come Sunday. That's the reason why I referenced that. He was taught these things in the Pentecostal seminary that he went through. Mm -hmm. And he grew up within this. And he, he, his whole ambition in life was to get people saved, right? Never knowing what saved actually meant, what salvation actually means. So, which it means it's sozo. If you take it in the Greek language, the New Testament writers wrote and quoted Jesus through Greek, coined Greek. It's sozo, which means to be healed and made whole. Mm. It has nothing to do with saving you from an eternal damnation, I promise. No, it has to do with wholeness. I love that. Yeah. Internal yep. wholeness. That in your mind. That happens. Yes, exactly. That happens within your mind. So if you're told your whole life from your brother, hey, man, you've decided not to believe in God. So therefore, you're not acceptable. You mm -hmm. have to become acceptable. You're going to live your life and manifest your life as if you're not acceptable. No wonder you want nothing to do with that God. Yeah. No wonder. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was fortunate. I never grew up in any kind of um, real disciplined kind of religious setting. When I understood believing, I came to the understanding that not everybody did believe and that was okay because they didn't need to. Like God didn't need them really? to believe. And that's kind of where I'm at right now too. I just, I'm, I'm, that's where I'm at. I'm like, okay, well, you don't believe that's cool. You don't need to. Well, yes, I do. You know, and I, I love talking with atheists, especially about my belief in God, because I just feel like they got the bad, they got bad theology. I honestly say that every time I say that about Bill Maher and I'm like, you know, and, and Sam Harris, I'm like, they just got some really bad theology and yeah. they need to. And maybe they don't want to because they've already built their career around what they believe. So, I mean, to change it yeah. might upset or lose an audience member or whatever. But I think a lot of it's just bad theology. Yeah. And I, I always want to try and, like, reinforce that. That's what I believe anyway. It doesn't matter if you believe. I don't believe that you're going to go to hell just because you don't believe. I don't, I don't care what you believe. I just already know that God's got you. So it's okay yeah. with that. And I wish we could get past this under this idea that we need to convince people they have to believe. It's just like, what is it like when you're in school? The harder your teacher wants you to do something, the more resist resisting you're going to be of it. You're going to be like, I'm not in. No, not going to do it. No, it's not going to happen. Well, why do we do that? Don't waste our energy in that. And to those who have ears that will listen. So then speak to the people that will listen to you. And if you're careful about the way that you speak to people you're going to attract those who maybe had the bad theology and are going to start going, Oh, yeah. I kind of see it differently now. And then you don't have to be opposed to one another. You don't have to fight with each other just because you believe this. And I believe that 
Because I don't think, I know a lot of people say your beliefs matter and your beliefs make you the person you are, but it's your practices, I think, that more demonstrate who you are. And just because an atheist doesn't believe in God doesn't mean an atheist is like out to hurt you or will not help you or isn't charitable. And we've created this messaging around atheists that Christians need to work on correcting or editing or whatever it is or renewing their minds from. Yeah. And it's fear. That, that is the yeah. number one key thing right there. You, if you think about it, if there is, if there is an adversary, right, that's the, that's the definition of Satan, right? If there is a Lucifer, if there is a Satan, like a roaring lion going out and, and destroying people's minds and stuff, who, who do you think he's attacking the most? You know, who do you think he's attacking the minds of the most? And what tool does he use the most? Fear, right? So mm-hmm. we have this fear and this taught thing that there's an eternal conscious torment out there which I truly do not believe in anymore, but I did. I did have bad theology growing up and I don't blame it on my parents or the church that I grew up in because Mm -hmm. they too were awesome. This has been generation after generation and it's been going on for a very long time. Um, And there's a lot of history that I've studied within this. And you you know, you can have theories as to why, why uh, people started changing the language of the Bible and redefining things and calling things, things that, that weren't actually said. And a lot of it ties into our politics today and why some you see some people doing and I don't want to get too deep into that because I will be here forever but you see two people doing some evil things and hard things and, and sin and being destructive towards one another actually does exist so then you have the internal question why why did this happen to me god if you love me and i've done right by you and i believe you and all this all this stuff why did this happen to me and that is a natural question. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I'm going to recommend one more book slash movie that will help immensely if you've never heard of it. Uh, but you have to be open to it. And you have to understand the reasonings why they took this leap to, to uh, express God in a certain way. And that book and movie is called The Shack. I highly recommend that if you I have never have heard of that. I have not seen it yet. Everybody talks Ooh. about it. And um, is it William? William Paul Hans- Young. Paul Young. Why do I want to say William? I'm thinking of someone else. Paul Young. Yeah, yeah. isn't it? His first name is William. It's, he goes by William Paul Young. William that's Paul Young. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, I've I've heard so many good things about it, but I have yet to see it. So there we go. Challenge everybody. Let's watch that movie. <laughs> that is a highly recommended. Highly recommend. I, I'm telling. I'll, I'll say it like this. Let me let me give you. I got my testimony on, on Facebook. If you guys ever, ever want to check that out, but, but I will just very simply say my stepmom, I was on a job in Indiana and my stepmom was out there to visit my father and I, and she was reading a book and she's at the end of it. And we're sitting in the office and she closes the, the last cover it and she looks at it and she's got tears running down her cheeks and she looks down and she starts praying and I'm sitting here watching this. Right. And she looks up after she's done and I'm just in awe, like, okay, that book affected you. What is that book? And she said, David, have you ever heard of the shack? And I said, no, ma'am. She goes, go get it. I went to Walmart that night. It was, it, it was like the highest selling book in the, in the yeah. country at the time, not just Christian book, highest selling book. A lot of Christians hate it though. They can't stand it. So uh, I swear. Okay. Yeah, I know. Progressive. Uh, I've seen a lot of progressive Christians just bash every Christian movie or Christian art or Christian music. And I'm like, just stop. Just stop it's bashing fear. shit. It is fear. It is fear because there's yeah. so many things. 
I'm telling you, if, if you believe that there's an eternal damnation, eternal conscious torment, if you believe that, you're not going to take any chances. You want to hold on to this insurance policy that you've purchased, that you've bought, that you've yeah. done good, onward Christian soldier, yeah. and you don't want to do anything to destroy that. And that's the whole thing. That's the divide that, w- that we started talking about is you want that for your loved ones as well. And so you want them to be able to measure up to be good enough for God. And so what happens is you've got people going so far this way and they don't realize it's their love for their loved ones that's causing them to judge them because they're in fear that they're, they're, they're going to, to an eternal conscious torment. And then their reaction, the, the loved ones that don't believe in God, their reaction is to not believe. So yeah. I put a post on, on Facebook uh, yesterday. I think it was, and I was in the middle of a conversation with my mom. I said, hold on, mom. What I just told you, I got to go ahead and say something on here. And I typed it out and, I, and it's very short. And it just said something to the effect of if Christians talk to homosexuals about stopping and ending their homosexuality, they're never going to have that effect on them. They're never going to stop them from doing that. What they will do is they'll stop them from being Christians. Mm, that's good. I think that's important. That's, that's, that's a lesson that I've learned in life. So wait sure. a minute. How does that work? You are Trump supporter, but you mm-hmm. don't hate gay people? Not at all. What? Not at all. Not one bit. Well, that's not what not I've been bit. told. All Trump supporters hate gay people. Well, okay, yeah. but you hate black people, right? No, definitely no. not. And definitely. So not. you hate women? No, of course not. Mexicans? No. Uh-uh. No. 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 I you hate, hate nobody. Well, that's good. And and you're not a Calvinist. So what's going on? You don't fit the Trump cliche here. Yeah, I guess there's cliches out there, you know, I, but I, it, the thing is, I, I don't believe that Trump agrees with me on everything. I don't. He doesn't need to. Um, I, I don't. Here, here's the thing. A lot of people, I asked him, why do you hate Donald Trump? Well, because he's all about himself, right? Okay, I'll give you that. I don't have any defense against it. If that's what his motivation is to make this country amazing, all, more power to you. Keep going. Because this country is amazing right now. There's a lot of things going on. The, yeah. the biggest problem with this country is identity politics. Mm. And we are divided in our mind about who we are and how we identify ourselves. Christians yeah. against, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, see, look, all homosexuals, I don't know how, how else to say that, um, but all, all of all people who identify as being homosexual, all of them have a problem from what I've seen, from who I've encountered with Christians that throw the Bible at them. Oh, yeah. Which I think anybody would, right? Yeah. And so there's, there, there's a homosexual pastor that came out to his, to his congregation, I guess the other day, somebody had, had posted, I'm watching this guy live right now, coming out to, to his congregation and showing him. And, uh, I think that is absolutely beautiful because now he's got an audience that nobody else could have affected. Does that yeah. make sense? Mm-hmm. He's not saying I'm changing and I'm stopping being gay. No, that's how he identifies himself, but he's still recognizing that he's fully embraced and redeemed and loved by God completely. And I think that's beautiful. He knows the truth about himself. He's not, he's not Saul. He's Paul, you know, yeah. he knows his true identity. You are fully loved. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think we worry too much about how we identify by who we vote for or what we do as, as though it means something about like our hearts. And, and I see that more. I will say I see that in my own life, in my own circle of atheists versus believing people. I see the atheists who are adamantly opposed to anything that has to do with God. Then 
enshrining politics as their religion and investing in their political savior. And I'm like, but what are you doing? Because now you let all of this identify you. And I'm kind of at the standpoint in my life where I've accepted, and this was influenced by a book I just recently read, Psychedelic Christianity. And I'm actually interviewing Jack Call tomorrow to talk about this. And it was a pivotal thing for me and it just clicked everything. And it was, politics cannot bring about the kingdom of God. Not really, because that's that worldly thing that I think we're setting our eyes on that we're not supposed to. I think we can have expectations or have desires for how we want politics to affect our society. But I think for me, especially, I got caught up in this, they need to be like this and this and this. They have to bring about, you know, kingdom things. But the reality is, is some of the things that we participate with just don't have anything to do with the kingdom of God. And that doesn't mean it's evil either. It just means it's a thing. And it's a thing that I fear we put too much energy into. Like, that's why it's so aggravating. That's why I have to, I have to create podcasts around the conversation of politics in order to get people to say, but we're more than politics. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's such yeah, a, ugh, we're at this time <laughs> right now. And you're like, not everything is about politics. And then you have people going, politics is life. And you're like, I kind of think it's not. There's so much more. and so. Oh. Anyway, we do need to let go of the identity politics. Like politics do not define us and we need to be really honest. And I would say from my own experience, 80% of the stuff that takes place in political land doesn't affect me. It really doesn't. Not at the end of the day. I'm still getting into my bed at night, laying next to my husband. My kids are tucked in. Nothing's changed. If we don't want it to affect our lives, we should stop expecting it to affect our lives. Basically, yeah, very good point. Very good point. I remember, you know, towards the end of I, I, I was I was so upset when when Barack Obama got elected. I was very upset. And I had to question myself later on. I actually took the time to do that um, after I got upset. And well, what's your problem? You know, just because who you voted for didn't win, which thank God he didn't win, to be honest with you, too. But after eight years of Barack Obama, I thought about it and I asked myself point blank your life changed since he's been president personally? No. Mm -hmm. Has he done things to affect people to, to cause a little bit of chaos in some people's lives? Maybe just, just right here. But within yeah. this, this whole, this whole term, I've gained a lot of healing, not because of him. I won't give him credit for that, but I've gained a lot of healing from my thinking about how much God loves me and, and, and my change with that. That was my change thinking. That's my metanoia, my repentance. Mm -hmm. um, Barack Obama didn't have an effect on, my life personally, but I think that he had effect an effect on, I did. I think that that's, that's what he's going to be known for the most is he had an effect on identity politics. Mm -hmm. He, he basically had an effect on the divisive thinking of you guys are against us. So we have to go against you. And yeah. I just truly haven't seen, I love the freedom that we have in this country. I love the, the, the opportunities that everybody has. And I've been in places where black folks weren't accepted. I've been in places where white folks weren't accepted. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've been all over this country and, I, and, and unfortunately those places exist, but not the majority of places. And there's no excuse for, for that kind of thing to happen. Yeah. Agreed. But thank God we got the freedom to go wherever we want in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's good stuff. This is a good way to wrap this up. Yeah, this is good. I need to keep doing this. I appreciate your willingness to come on and talk about this and 
and, and share your beliefs and your values so that we can kind of erase some of those dirty, stupid assumptions that we place over Trump supporters. And I have been trying to be a champion of defense because um, I voted for the dude that was going to legalize cannabis. So I'm just putting it out there. That's the guy I wanted. He didn't win. Where I live. Oh, aren't you a lucky, lucky person? <laughs> not here yet. It is not here yet. It's still uh, legal. So we don't talk about these yeah. things. But uh, I can't touch it, though, anyways. Because I. You are doing big work. stuff right now. You wouldn't want to mess with that. Yeah, no. Yeah. But, but yeah, who this would was necessary. Rand Paul? Um, no. Well, I voted for Gary Johnson. Oh, okay. Libertarian. That was for the like two years that I identified myself as a libertarian. And I went through my Milton Friedman and, and Hayek and economics and, and the Fed and was all into Thomas Sowell and getting my Glenn back on. And yeah. And then I just kind of went, I'm glad I had that phase. I learned so much from it, but yeah. I just wanted to keep peeling back layers and labels. So yeah. I just want to flow with the with the wind and see where it takes me. But I definitely want to, I want people to understand that when we talk about grace and we talk about repentance, that we're really extending it towards all of humanity and not drawing the lines that accept Trump supporters. Because that's been very hard to watch. I've watched family members. I've watched very good friends have relationships fall apart over Donald Mm -hmm. Trump. And I think what happened to grace, what happened to forgiveness, what happened to mercy, what happened to not holding wrongs against people, that's what we stand for if we are claiming this Christian title. That's what we stand for. And if we're not standing for that very very least of that label, then we're lying to ourselves and we're just adding to the divide. And I realized the other day that I'm really good at burning bridges. And so I would like to step forth more into 2020 with rebuilding bridges and so i think this is how we do it so thank you for helping me re we rebuild this bridge and you would probably like to let people know how they can connect with you if they're interested which i'm sure they will be um yeah just facebook uh david cubbage um i are you gonna throw this on facebook yeah, I'm going to put um, our audio out and I will be sure to include a link to your direct Facebook page Okay. so that people can connect with you and learn more about this lovely Trump supporter who is not evil. <laughs> yeah, yay. <laughs> I appreciate you having me very much and uh, look forward to anybody who wants to talk about anything or has any questions based off of anything that I said because I firmly believe everything that came from my heart for sure. Brothers and sisters, we are all united. I love every one of y'all and thanks for getting this far into this conversation. So thank you again. Thank you, David. <laughs>